everybody firing up. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to this week's episode of Fired Up! Yes, the up is back. I'm Dennis Carnahan, joined by the guzzler, a.k.a. Redfern Pat, and Lady Macbeth herself, fresh from killing off Madge Maguire, Chris Gale. And we're all here, not just to fire up, but for those who came in late, we're here to investigate and to analyse the nexus between art and rugby league. Between music and rugby league, between culture and rugby league, between rugby league and theatre, science, literature, art, music, culture, theatre, science, literature, rugby league, fire up. And so much has happened this week and there's so much to investigate. With art, one thinks of sculpture, one thinks of Michelangelo, one thinks of marble statues. And what wonderful marble buttocks were revealed in the state of origin last week with Teddy Dedesco. Not once, not twice, not thrice. Is it quadrice? Is it quintice? Multiple occasions showing those chiselled glutes, the manful Maximus mounds that he has in those trousers. And it was a glory. And then literature in rugby league. We've often investigated what the commentators say. But this week, I'm going to put it out there to those on the Fire Ups Blowing Up Deluxe page, a little literary and grammatical question. I'll put it to you boys as well. The try that Mitch Moses butchered, which we'll investigate later. What a magnificent moment it was. What a seminal moment. What a wonderful expression of Brad Arthur's eels that no try was. What a wonderful expression. Was that expression the most Mitchell Moses expression or was it the Mitchell Mosesist expression? Obviously, it couldn't be the most Mitchell Mosesist expression because we don't like double comparatives here at Fire Up. But when it comes to culture... Rugby league and culture. Culture and rugby league, they are one and the same. They are so much part of each other. And yet, earlier this week, in the offices of Fire Up, Chris Gale left his windowed top story office with his harbour views and walked down past the coffee machine, past his own personal cafe, past the copier, past the fax room, past the typing pool, down the stairs into the dungeon he consigns me to and through across my desk, the Sydney Morning Herald opened to... I'm looking at Redfern Pat and he's going, oh, I wish I could work in a dungeon. But opened to a page of an article by Helen Pitt bemoaning the clash of state of origin with the opening of the Sydney Film Festival. And she threw slurs at the game. Chris, I didn't bother reading it. Can you please tell me how dare this woman, who is this Philistine, that claims that rugby league and culture are not one and the same? Dennis, I have read the article and I was aghast at the suggestions that journalist Pitt had with respect to rugby league. And given that you haven't read it, and I know Redford and Pat would never have read it, just get yourself prepared for this. The aftermath of a federal election is a good opportunity to evaluate what kind of country we want to be. Now, I actually would have thought the election was a good opportunity to evaluate. (laughs) But anyway, now is not the time to retreat into the tribal the sort of sentiment sport brings out in us, but to be lifted up as a nation together, the way a Baz Luhrmann blockbuster can do, from Elvis to Strictly Ballroom, to bring out the best in us and bring us together and rise above the woes of the day, not knock you down like a tackle in a rugby league match. Now, I'm insulted, Dennis. Absolutely. Because I believe the two forms can coexist. I actually was at Origin 1, as I know you were and Redfern Pat wasn't, And yes, it did clash with the opening of the Sydney Film Festival, as I subsequently learned when I read this article. But I'm a movie guy. I'm on a tour. I saw Top Gun Maverick a couple of weeks ago. and How good was it? Very good. And I asked, did I give you any spoilers by by giving away the plot? No, I'd already seen it when you gave all those spoilers (laughs) last week. And I'm booked in to see Jurassic Park Dominion this weekend. So don't tell me that I'm not capable of enjoying the arts at the same time. And I'm just apoplectic by this continuous besmirching of our great game by people in the Nine Press. So hang on, she's saying there's a problem with... So she's in the Nine Press. Yes. Nine hates rugby league. Nine detests rugby league. Nine hates rugby league. Absolutely. I'm I'm going to put some strange little collections of words together to you in a list. Are you ready for it? Mm. The final winter. 
This Sporting Life, Footy Legends, Chasing Comets, Broke. The first, thank you, the first Kangaroos. This is, what is she talking about? Film, film and rugby league, rugby league and film, they belong together. Glove in hand. Did you see Chasing Comets? I haven't yet. It's the Jason Stevens vehicle. Oh, it's mag- I'm sure it's magnificent. Shot. Ex- what I what I love about you know, there are sort of common tropes like you know they talk about the MacGuffin in movies <laughs> and things like that. The MacGuffin equivalent in rugby league movies, particularly in Australian movies, happens to be Henson Park because they're all filmed <laughs> at Henson Park. I don't know whether Darcy Burns got some sort of deal going with the Inner City West Council or whatever it is, but uh, if it was Chasing- Darcy Burns, it'd be at Leichhardt. Well. But I don't think he's got the clearance there. Whereas we've seen Chasing Comets, we've seen Final Winter. Final Winter yep. And I wouldn't put past a bit of uh, uh, Ando's Footy Legends as well. And I suspect that when uh, Plum ends up being made into a film, the, as Brendan, it will. the Brendan Cowell vehicle that he's flogging, uh, I'm sure that'll be there, set there as well. I saw Ando and his brother in a, a hotel uh, breakfast place in Perth, of all places, mm. just after the movie came out. And I'd seen it and I went up and congratulated on them and they just said, Excuse me, we're trying to eat breakfast here. <laughs> and that was because there's still this cultural cringe, something that uh, we've got hello. the Logies this weekend, and normally they used to bus out various overseas stars to make it credible. There's still a bit of a rugby league cringe, I think. That- oh, I think there is, and I think it's. I actually think it's a particularly Sydney thing, and I've mm. discussed this before. In in Bris Vegas right now, you would you know it's origin time because when you walk down the streets, they have lawyers in Brisbane. Now, admittedly, those lawyers... They think themselves big city lawyers, but they still turn up in safari suits with short sleeves and long socks and shorts. But that's their suits. They are nonetheless lawyers. They are nonetheless doing whatever corporate lawyers do. They'll be wearing Maroons jerseys. Not, not just a scarf thrown on, but the Maroon jersey under a suit jacket. Yeah, whereas in Sydney, you know, Nothing. to wear your colours is almost to invite trouble. And the promotional material... It's to invite about- scorn by people like SMH Channel 9 journalist Helen well, Pitt. And Helen, if you're out there, we want you on the show because we want to hear the counter viewpoint. But, like, you wouldn't have known Origin was on. Where were the festoon banners going up? And Well, not George Street anymore because who's in George Street? Is no Peritet a Queenslander? Peritet. Is he? <laughs> Possibly. And, and the fact that the brilliant decision to make those banners all of Josh Adokar, <laughs> who unfortunately didn't get a run in Origin 1 but should in Origin Bruh. 2, in my view. Mm. So, were there any other replies to SMH Journal Helen Pitt's article? Yes, I think there was. I think uh, someone who actually understands where rugby league fits in the pantheon of our existence had this to say. Building a really good squad here now. He's, he's showing that culture comes before strategy. No good having all the strategy in the world if you've got no culture amongst your group. That's why I love coaching my blokes. We've got a wonderful camaraderie in culture and give Kevin a bit of time, he's going to have the same. So what Ricky Stewart and Kevin Walters have in common is an understanding that there is the intersection between matters of culture and our great sport of rugby league. Something that wasn't always grasped by everyone at FBI when we were working there, <laughs> but, but was reflected in an answer piece by Osman Faruqi, who I know has a culture friend podcast. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. He also covered uh, the rather specific genre of deathmatch wrestling in one of those podcasts recently. And he came out and he said, Rugby league is art. Now, I think that's actually stretching it a little bit. Oh, I disagree entirely. Rugby league is art. Well, Ricky certainly seems to feel that culture, the the books, the podcasts, the records, the shows, the concerts, dare I say, the films that he puts in front of the green machine have been instrumental in you being not as bad as you were a month ago. Is that right? Precisely that. It's the culture. It's these blokes. It's what they've got under their jerseys. It's what they've got together. It's the communal spirit. It's the culture and we know for a certain fact Craig Bellamy Craig Bellamy we've said this before on this show he takes his players to every musical that plays in Melbourne culture theater art rugby league take that Helen Pitt ha but we're not quite there yet the the, the bridge the cultural divide had I mean I don't know whether Ricky takes him to see, you know, like vintage movies like Ridge Over just, the Bridge. Can I just break out of Ridge here? Over the can River I Choir? Break I out of this for a moment and say, Ricky has previously been called the game's greatest thinker, and you've previously. been trying, you've been trying to take that off him and say he's no longer. Now, what he's just said, he's reached a point of maturity where he's said culture comes ahead of strategy. Strategies for thinking, culture is for heart and art. Ricky has gone above. 
strategy and thinking, and he's gone straight to the top, culture. Yes, but he is the game's greatest cultural asset. He is the game's greatest literary literist. He's the game's greatest artist. In your view. And he might be a cultural attaché, but I was going to suggest that he probably took him and saw the bridge over the River Kwai in trying to bridge the art rugby league divide. And we all know what happened to that bridge. Boom! And there's still a little bit of contemporaneous evidence that the, the divide has not been totally bridged. Half time, I think it was 4 0. The Blues were up there. Live scores through the Kid Leroy oh, concert. So, Kid Leroy performing at half time. Who? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. Bad? I've never heard of Who Kid Leroy either. <laughs> Kid Leroy, you haven't heard of Kid Leroy? What's he do? Singer, he's a singer. What's he sing? I actually can't remember. It's a pretty good song. He's gutted in one video clip and now he doesn't know anyone else. (laughs) He's not on my iPod. (laughs) iPod? (laughs) They still have iPods. They stopped making those, Gus. I don't think Kid Leroy actually released his first song before the demise of the the iPod. No, no, I think that's true. There's a couple of things that come out of that. First of all, Gal likes the song, can't remember what it is. It is, of course, Stay with Justin Bieber who I think came in at number two on the Hottest 100 for Triple J last year. Mm-hmm. And there was a reference to Gus has been in a film clip. Yes. Do, do, we, do we know what that is? No, we need to find that out, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the equivalent of Gus. It wasn't a film clip with Willie Nelson, was it? When was Willie Nelson in Australia? When did Gus see him? We need to find this out. I, need to, I, I have bumped into Gus in the lift a couple of times where I'm so intimidated by the awesome gravitas that I haven't been able to ask him. I was in a discussion last, last night about Peter Gabriel. And, of course, Kate Bush... Soaring high globally again with, with the revival of running up that hill as a result of it featuring in Stranger Things season. I did four. see someone write Kate Bush, number one on the charts, Top Gun, number one of the movies. Have we just gone back to 1986? And she's so sweet, Kate Bush, because she's posting continuously, Oh, it's just brilliant. Thank you. This is wonderful, etc. etc. And I was in a discussion about Peter Gabriel last night. And of course, are you often not? Yeah, true. <laughs> And he's got a new album, first sort of studio release in 20 years, very imminent, which is exciting for all Peter Gabriel fans. Has he done a du- another duet with Kate Bush? Well, no, but I mean... Because he's not, not averse to it. Not that I'm not, a, I'm not aware of it, but of course on So He Does Don't Give Up. Mm, and with... I might have mentioned this, maybe I've even mentioned this on this show once, that he had the absolutely brilliant idea of a film clip. He rings up Kate and he goes, right, we're going to do a film clip of the song. It'll be you and me on a rotating plinth, hugging for the entire length of the song. <laughs> I mean, it's genius. <laughs> And someone piped up and said, Willie Nelson and Sinead O'Connor have done a cover of that song, Don't Give Up. And maybe they've got it slightly wrong. It's Willie Nelson and Gus, Gus Gould, Gould hugging on, on, on a rotating plinth. plinth for the entire song. Well, you'd often you'd get them mistaken. That's a video I'd like to see. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I noticed that Kid Leroy, he was, so he was posting origin scores during his concert that was on during origin time. I do recall back, oh, 30 years ago, playing in Queensland in Townsville, actually, and there was a State of Origin game. This is when I was playing in my covers band, trying to be a pop star. And we were giving scores, and Queensland won, and it was horrible. And I made the mistake of saying, well, okay. But New South Wales, it was the year that... Um, the Gaia and was it the year that Gaia and Wally? What are we in early nineties? Oh wow, that's a long time ago. But there now. was a blue. There was a blue in the game, and I said New South Wales won the fights, won the moral victory, lost on the scoreboard. But that's two out of three. We'll take that as a victory. <laughs> I got punched <laughs> as I came off stage. I copped one in the chin for that by one I of your bandmates. No, by some random Queenslander who looked a lot like he could have been playing for Queensland the other night. The mullet he had was a lot like it. But that brings us back to Origin. Mm. And the origin, really the only highlight, it was, okay, it was a fast game, yeah, it was high quality. There, there were Teddy's buttocks. They were just magnificent. Now, they've been coming out a lot lately. There's no doubt that New South Wales got going once Teddy started showing um, himself on all his glory pants down, right? Mm. And in fact, I think even Nathan Cleary, who, let's face it, had a bludger of a game, actually uh, bared the buttocks near the end as they came roaring back. And hopefully Freddie Fittler has taken the hot tip and we'll factor that into New South Wales offence come Origin 2. I think, I think Freddie actually put it... I think Freddie's been untying their draw... taking the drawstrings out of their shorts to make it happen because Freddie, of course, as we've mentioned before, has the police record saying he has a nice butt. Yeah. The thing that struck me about Tedesco's buttocks being out there, if you'd probably be unaware of the other code I was taking there under sufferance once to an AFL game. And Buddy Franklin, who apparently is a big thing, plays for the Swans, and his arms 
are like sculptures and they've got a particular sort of application like an oil. They just sort of glow. <laughs> I got a very similar aura off Teddy's buttocks. They weren't just bare buttocks. They seemed to be juiced up in some way. Soul glow? I think? don't know. It was pretty impressive. But I, I don't know about you, Dennis. And I know you were working, so you probably didn't pay any attention to the game, whatever. But I thought it was a bit off. And possibly that was when New South Wales got behind by uh, a dozen on the scoreboard. But my memories of the game, I call it a game of planes, waves, and naked buttocks. We've already reflected on the buttocks. The biggest cheer of the night is when a paper plane descended from <laughs> level six on the player side and was adroitly catch, captured by one Jonathan Thurston on the sideline. Oh, okay, yes, I did see that. Huge cheer. I, I originally thought, like, oh my God, New South Wales has broken a tackle or something. It wasn't as exciting as that. And then, midway through that second half, the crowd started to try and get a wave going. You know, the old, as they used to refer to it, the Mexican wave from the 1986 Football World Cup. And that is a sure sign that the action on the field is less than gripping. And there's been a lot of discussion about needing to bring the hate back in origin. I'm kind of off it right now. I was very disappointed. I don't know how you felt out there. Well, all the, it was apparently the fastest game of football ever. The skills were amazing. Well, the, the, and but, it's still but, not as fast as touch football, but it's getting that way. It's getting that way. But the thing is, it has all the skill and all the wonderfulness and all the speed. But like you say, it doesn't have the hate. Yeah. Where was where was Maguire? Where was the booze? Who could you boo at in the Queensland side? Abs- I, obviously Cam Munster, but even Cam Munster, he's gone clean. I know that you go. You were more interested in the fact that Munster had shed his moustache than actually focusing oh, nice? on what a bad bloke he was. And in fact, if there was one person who expressed concern for Isaiah Yo on the field, it was of course Cam Munster. Isn't he nice? He's isn't a wonderful he lovely? boy. Do people want Origin to be, isn't he nice? Isn't okay. he lovely? And so I've just got a couple of cues here for you as to what's wrong with the game. First of all, again, Gus Gould. He said that the New South Wales were too pantherized. <laughs> which, which I know when you go to a car, particularly in the United States, they say it's been Simonized. Simonized? Yeah, and it's you know meant to be some sort of protective sheen, which is possibly what was on Teddy's buttocks. But uh, pantherized in that they took club football too seriously or too much of an influence into state of origin where you've got to throw a few random things into the mix, i.e. Cam Munster. Yep. And if you want to summarize pantherized, you'd be aware of Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl winner Russell Wilson, the quarterback, wouldn't you? Russell Wilson. No. Uh, he wrote a book called... It Eagle take- Rock? No, it was Ross Wilson, his cousin. <laughs> That's it, takes what, it takes what it takes. Catchy title. And this is a book that teaches you how to think neutrally and be the best version of yourself. And who's reading that book? Mr. Pantherized himself, Nathan Cleary. And that was the problem. Cleary went out of neutral, never got out of neutral. Thinking neutral. We've got to um, shake it up, come Origin 2, in my view, Dennis. It takes what it takes. Wow. That, 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 all I can think of when I hear it takes what it takes is a little piece of yellow sandpaper down someone's pants. <laughs> whatever it takes. That was it. Well, Winning, it's, it's, whatever it, the cost. It's not very different. Counting the cost. I spend my life trying not to say it is what it is. Yeah, it takes what it takes. Uh, now, this week was a marvellous week for coaches. Yeah, well, we were on top of this story, weren't we? As we, we, were, to, as we recorded the podcast. Breaking was news on fire. Well, last week, of course, it was fired. Yes. Not fire up. And it continues to roll. It continues to go. We've had, and they still have got DJ Hook Griffin under pressure. Windscreens O'Brien under pressure. Justin Holbrook hasn't even got a nickname, and he's, that's how much under pressure he is. Holbrook's not a brand for sort of like cooking appliances or something. That's Cambrook, isn't it? <laughs> Cambrook. Holroyd? I don't know. <laughs> hemorrhoid? Justin Hemorrhoid. I suppose if Cameron Smith and Justin Holbrook have a thing, everyone would be calling them Cambrook. <laughs> there you go. And, he's, and then just the cookers, for short. But the Titans have got nothing. They're taking the game. Ooh. But he's, he's quoting... Um, Things from the eighties, so I think he's he's a forty year old blowback in you, coaching. You think about all the thought with Annesley and Co. and Junior Pierce and Project Apollo and all that thought that went in the off season about we've got to level up the game, and they decided to remove the six again in the own forty and make it a penalty. And everyone goes, "Fantastic! It's going to be closer." It's the polarized competition again. We've got yep. the good teams and we've got the bloody awful teams. And yep. we all know who they are, with one very notable exception we might discuss a little bit later. The rich get richer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, so what, what's happening post-coaching career for T-Baz? 
What's happening post-coaching for you for, for Brownie? Slapper Brown. Well, Brown, T-Baz, no idea, right? Yep. He's just gone to ground. Nathan Brown, who basically threw his daughters under the bus, said, <laughs> look, I was prepared. Was, was Ivan driving the bus? <laughs> That's right. I'm prepared to go to New Zealand, but my daughter said we'd rather not go. And I said, and again, I mean, Jacinda Ardern has got a full dance card at the moment. More um, uh, negative uh, threats and things from locals in New Zealand, probably about the declining tourism as a result of the fact that none of the Warriors wanted to come home. <laughs> Plus, she's got to deal with a fairly mainstream selection of Australian albums from Albo. I mean, she's come up with Flying Nun. I mean, that's mm. just you know, cutting edge comparatively. And he's gone sort of down the, the Powderfinger Midnight Oils Oil. route. I mean, yeah, very which, disappointing. Which, which I can say he bought at Landspeed Records in Canberra. Right. And shout out to Landspeed. Point this out. No Kid Leroy. No. Um, <laughs> so Brownie's actually said that he wants to make a difference, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I'm, I'm never coaching again. Forget that. Like, but I want to help other coaches. And he goes, that's what I'd like to do. What that looks like, I'm not too sure, but I've seen far too many coaches of my 20 years as a head coach basically get rissled. Rissold. Because the clubs have done a poor job and haven't supported them. I've been lucky enough to survive, except, of course, he hasn't. Tell you what, now, he's, he's spent some time at the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Down in Gerringong, which is in the Illawarra Dragons catchment, um, the Gerringong Lions, they have the finest Rissole and onion sandwiches. Ooh. I love a good oh, Rissole boy. sandwich. Boy. That's Barbecue so, sauce. So if, that's, if being Rissold means going to Gerringong and getting one of those sangers... I'm all over it. And I tell you what, Australian coach Mal Meninga, who's, as we now have established, will be selecting the kangaroos on his own, and who knows who will be in those kangaroos. He's still pushing this idea of the Rugby League Players, sorry, the Rugby League Coaches Association, the RLCA. <laughs> so this will answer some questions, right? Because you're wondering about Barrett, and he could be lost to the game, and at least Brownie's trying to find a role but can't. Mal's got the answer. There is a strong desire to have a coaches collective to speak on behalf of the coaches. That's where an organisation like the Coaches Association can help. This man was lost to the Australian political life with his 22-second I'm buggered career. But this is a man with ideas. Coaches Association can help with the next generation and welfare of coaches. It's not just the head coach. He gets a big payout. But what happens to his staff? How do we transition those people back into normal life? (laughs) Because it's one thing that we know, <laughs> rugby league is not a normal life. Uh, over at Concord, and we were speaking... At the Centre of Excellence. Yes. After we recorded last week, we were speaking to uh, Clancy Overall from the Batuta Advocate as mm-hmm. we vacated or, in fact, asked to leave the building. And he said, I really fear about Madge. Again, more grist to Meninga's mill. He goes, I've seen the photo of him leaving his dismissal meeting dressed as a bank robber. <laughs> It was, of course, our chair, Lee Hedger-Patellis, in his usual Homburg and uh, uh, long jacket, uh, cutting a very rakish figure. And basically, Lee and uh, Justin Pascoe left Tim Sheens to do the heavy lifting. And here's what he said when he was asked, what sort of coach is he looking for next? Is it a young coach or is it an experienced coach? A development coach. (laughs) So... It's a long pause. You can see Tim rifling through his mind. What's the script? What's the script? A development coach. And news very fresh off the wires. I think your mate Michael Carianis knows this story. Michael Shamus had 100% footy last night. The hottest coach in waiting in rugby league, of course, is... CC. Cameron Seraldo. Gee, he's a good-looking one as well. Very, very handsome man. Very, very capable and was invited to be a guest of the West Tigers yesterday, to see the plans, to see the MacArthur region as the future, the development pathways, the about-to-be-unveiled centre of excellence. Uh, You've missed out one word, the joint. The joint. Did they show him around the joint? They showed him around the joint. They took him on a tour, and you've got the holy trinity there. Tim Sheens, we've already mentioned. Lee Mm. Hadjipatelis, we've already mentioned, the bank robber. And, of course, (laughs) I was going to say Len Pascoe, Justin, (laughs) Justin Pascoe. How long do you think that the viewing slash tour flat slash consultation slash interview went on for? Look, with those three, personally, if there was, you know, if I had half an hour of Sheensy, I'd probably be talking about Raiders days and stuff and thanks for those. And uh, Lee and Justin, I'm not sure. I'd be talking to Justin if anyone ever said you look like uh, a certain country and Western singer from Australia that's made it big. And, uh, and that, I'm looking 20 minutes, half an hour? Seven hours. 
Seven hours. It's classic. It's this is how organisations like Landmark work: is they lock you up in a room <laughs> and they bombard you, and at the end you'll sign anything just to, to get, get out. out of there. So I think we can break the story that as a result of Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> Cameron Serraldo is the next West Tigers coach. Now I don't know if you know this, but the great American artist Don McLean. Well, before we get there, before we get there, before we get there, just I want to table one more idea. Now that Cameron has signed on, <laughs> every team needs an identity, and I'm a card-carrying West Tigers member, and in many ways, shapes, and forms. And the venerable James Graham had a suggestion, friend of the show, how we might move forward. It might be like with a basket case, with a group of lunatics that no one gives a chance, mm. because. We're talking here about premiership winning teams. The Tigers need to migrate from a bottom of the ladder team to a middle eight team. So Lee, Justin and Tim, if you're listening, and indeed interim coach Noddy Kamali, they're always looking for, you know, you know, like it's time to thrill or license to thrill. They're always looking for taglines. <laughs> Wear the basket case. A bunch of lunatics. Wear a bunch of lunatics. West Tigers 2023. And we're in the middle eight. That's we're not in the top eight. We're not in the bottom eight. We're in the middle eight. We're about ninth. Someone suggested that if Seraldo gets us to the top eight, they'll build a statue to him. And I find nothing amusing about that concept. <laughs> well, as I was saying, you know that Don McLean was a huge rugby league fan. He was swayed because he went to those. He was the, the book, um, no, no Helmets Required. Yes. That American tour, he was really just taken by that and fell in love with rugby league. He, he had a, a hit song about rugby league. Well, he did have a hit song about rugby league. Called Vincent, which was about the great Great Britain forward, Vince Coralius. Well, he actually had a few. He had another one. Oh, really? Which he wrote. You're kidding me. And he was very, he had a lot of foresight. He was like Nostradamus, old Don McLean. And he wrote it and he thought, you know, this song is too mad. I can see this happening, but no one will believe it. So he just changed the words a bit and made it to be about pop music. But the original version, the original version of Don McLean's classic song, I found the original lyrics and my God, they were prescient. So I've recorded a version of it. A long, long time ago, three ex-football players thought that coaching rugby league might make them smile. They thought that if they had their way, they could make their players play And maybe they'd be winners for a while But come September, coaches shiver When a final spot is not delivered The wooden spoon was calling Their team's morale was falling I still do wonder if they lied When they said Trent Barrett had resigned Brown left the New Zealand side And then Paul Match was fired So bye-bye Barrett, Brown and Maguire You were forever under pressure And the pressure was high The good old media was out for your hides Singing this'll be the day that they're fired This'll be the day that they're fired Trent took the Bulldogs' reins From a poor demoralised Dean Pay Then he won the wooden spoon Now do you believe that Gus's role In blowing Trent's whistle that he stole Didn't make Trent want to go real soon well, Trent said that he had resigned But everyone knows he was fired The whole affair was sour But I'll bet Trent's happier now Meanwhile, poor old Nathan Brown's demise Came to no one by surprise He wouldn't move to the shaky aisles And so, poor Nate was fired Everyone singing bye-bye, Barrett, Brown and Maguire You were forever under pressure and the pressure was high The good old media was out for your heights Singing this'll be the day that they're fired This'll be the day that they're fired Now for ten years 
as Tigers fans complain They haven't played a single finals game But that's not how it used to be When Sheensy coached in 2005 The whole joint venture came alive And it looked like they would build a dynasty In 2012 things were looking down Then Sheensy lost his coaching crown Mick Potter had a turn Then JT had the whole joint burned They lost Teddy, Woodsy, Benji, Farah, and then Mitch. Then Ivan drove the bus to the rift. And then poor Match was fired. Now we're singing bye-bye, Barrett, Brown, and McGuire. You were forever under pressure, and the pressure was high. The good old media was out for your highs. Singing this'll be the day that they're fired. Now... On, uh, was it Saturday night or Sunday? I don't know, this long Saturday weekend. Evening. I've got, well, Saturday evening, I was at um, at the old girl, the G. From your vantage point, did you see the sunset? No, because we, we saw the sunset. We, we saw people staring into the sun. And I'll tell you what, at the ninth one of the world yesterday, oh, or Sunday, whatever day, God, it's just all blending into one. You, you're sitting in the Western Grandstand at Campbelltown. You really get the sun in your eyes, don't you? Yeah, right. I, I, I pass up on that opportunity. But on the, the old girl, but the G, the original G. So I saw the panorama of the sunset over the old members and ladies stands. Stunning. And a beautiful melding of orange into purple. Mm. Just like the Sydney Tigers jersey in the mid-90s had a little strip of orange and purple in it. Beautiful. I did see. I got uh, one of those jerseys. We only still. saw photos. Of, we only saw it on the big screen. We didn't because we were facing. Gorgeous. We sit in the Western Grandstand. It was better than any of the football we saw. Oh, except that the Roosters got were bit. brave and resilient <laughs> and lost. And everyone, like as much as I dislike the Storm, um, there's less to dislike about the Storm because they've cleaned up and Cam Munster's cleaned up his act and there's no Cameron Smith. So it was just great to see the Roosters lose. Again, how was the chat room? How was the WhatsApp? Yeah, chat? the Politburo was uh, uh, very, very stern, mm. and uh, there was a lot of reassessing. And you know, well, this is better than the performance against said Canberra Raiders and things is, like that. Uh, is Robbo a coach under pressure? I think he's he's almost Holbrookian. Is he? Yeah, and uh, if they keep stringing up the losses, and uh, I think uh, Parramatta will be very keen to bounce back after their defeat yesterday, things could be very, very somber around Bondi but they were looking for positives Sammy Walker showed something Suwali was his usual dominant self put the kid in an origin jersey dot 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 but they couldn't get over the fact that if Satili Tupanua my favourite Roosters player had caught that little chip through from Sammy Walker it was salad days but in fact it was very very flat days he did actually catch it he just let it go Yeah, I think he was shocked he shocked himself by catching it but there was so, but once again, Tupu, who I, I wrote a song a few weeks ago about him taking Ravalawa high. Yes. And he's once again done the same thing. It's, it's a laziness. He just sticks the arm out and grabs people by the head. Why is, does he not get binned? Dennis, you know the answer to that. Big club theory. Big club theory. And it was very much an evidence where you've got two big clubs going up against each other. Ah, but we know that if he did it against the Bulldogs, if he took, for instance, a nice clean skin like Aaron Shop, <laughs> if he took him high, he'd be in the bin because the big club theory is thwarted by the gravitas of Gus. The way that the way the shop's playing at the moment, I think he could be taken high by Tupu and they'd put shop in the bin. So Tupu avoided the sin bin yet again. And of mm. course, Felice Kafusi, cereal grub. Well, this is the thing. You can't be a cereal grub anymore because it just gets wiped clean. The slate's wiped clean. Correct. So it's Felice Kafusi, clean skin. Clean skin Kafusi, they call him. <laughs> and he's gone up. And with This is, again, a rugby league term that's got currency now that I couldn't have identified five years ago, which is bumpers. Bumpers. So he's gone in bumpers up. And one of the bumpers is in contact with Sam Walker's head. And as they fall to the ground, said bumper never leaves contact with mm. Sam Walker's head which looked very different to the uh, historic incident last year with Kafusi and Ryan Madison's head, where there was clear separation. And he brought it back down again. Well, if you read the laws of rugby league, it says you're not able to, in the tackle, if your bumper makes contact with someone's head, you can't bump, separate, and then re-bump. <laughs> it's can't. just like the re-grip rule. Yeah. Uh, though Moses Sully actually scored against the Cowboys on, on Friday night. 
but he regripped with two hands, still proving that you can't regrip with one. And so he's gone to ground, and of course he's copped an eighteen hundred dollar fine, which again has split the rugby league community. Have a guess into what? Oh, don't tell me it's gone down the Rupert versus nine. It's nine versus Fox. Oh. So Kenty and Hoops were apoplectic about the fact that he only got fine and it's disgraceful, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Brent Reid, who for some reason, of all the people, the most innocuous guy in rugby league journalism is like a free-moving radical. He's on like the Sunday footy show on he's nine. On, he's on Triple M. He's on. Fo- he's everywhere already. He's on Fox. He's from Queensland. You he's, know. he's almost like Michael Carianis. He's Michael Carianis on Channel 9. He's on Rupert and he's on the ABC. So he was like a sleeper cell on 360 last night because he's saying there's nothing in it. And then you switch over later to 100% footy and Gal and Gus, who now agree on almost everything, go, it shouldn't have even been charged. So the, the game <laughs> continues to be split by these big Gus... Sorry, big club theories, the unifying force of Gus and the nine Fox media war. What it says to me, they're critical of the match review committee. What it says to me is the NRL has lost control. Abdo has lost control. Valandis has lost control. So the big club, would it be the big clubs are on Fox and Gus is on nine? The big planet is on nine. And they're just the gravitational, they're all, there's this gravitational clash between Fox and Nine because of Gus and the big clubs. It's like the Doctor Strange movie. There's a multiverses of rugby league. <laughs> and if you have the misfortune of seeing that movie anywhere, anytime, all of the time or whatever, everywhere, everything, all of the time, just avoid it, uh, which is another multiverse pen that it really isn't worth seeing. So... It, actually, there were a couple of good times I want to say out at the old girl. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I went with Bronco Reg, who actually is a friend of the show. A genuine friend of the show. Hello, Bronco Reg. And we would have got in a little bit earlier, but he scanned the ticket and then went to the turnstile, the wrong side of the entry point. <laughs> Fortunately, there were a lot of a lot of SCG attendants who were able to come and shepherd the young man into it. And he is a true empath, card-carrying Broncos fan. But when poor old Luke Keary collided with Suwali's knee, Bronco just kept going... I just feel so bad for the kid. I feel so bad for the kid. And uh, yeah, Can we just point out the kid, Kiri, while he's only able to play for New South Wales if he's selected for origin, um, he's actually from Toowoomba. Where's Reg from? Uh, <laughs> there could be a song in that. Mm. And uh, kudos to Reg, seven in a row. He must be thrilled. And also there was a really heartwarming debut for Grant Anderson. On yes. the wing, bag two tries. Famous rugby league family, though, with Chris, his uncle, and Daniel, his his uh, uncle once removed. Yeah, Jimmy, who's playing cricket for Jimmy, England. Yes. Brett Anderson, the lead singer of Suede. So many Andersons. It's an incredible family. Mr. Anderson from The Matrix, of course. They've got tremendous tartan as well, the Anderson tartans. Wonderful. Mr. Anderson. And he went down to the corner of the G after the win to, you know, revel with his family, take selfies. Lara Pitt, rapturous and emotional applause. Beautiful scenes. Lara Pitt joined him. And, of course, there was a senior gentleman there in a beanie who was in tears. And it's Pop. Yep. The Andersons across the road neighbour, 97, which in some media outlets got transcribed to his actual grandfather, 98. Who? Yeah, we don't want to go into that. Mm. But... It was a feel-good story. And if I've read this correctly, the corner in which they gathered is known as the Sid Williams Corner. In cricket, it's Yabba's Corner. Right. But the Sid Williams Corner. Why is it called that, Well, Chris? in 1969, in a famous victory written up by Ian Heads as the great-grand final heist, the Balmain Tigers laid their way... And Ian Heads is, of course, a nickname. It's actually Ian Heads Anderson. Ian Anderson being... Thank you. Yes. Uh, lay down their way to victory, 11-2 against the accursed South Sydney Rabbitohs on the same said Sydney cricket ground, 1969. Have a guess what was the last live game of no, rugby don't. league seen by Pop. Don't say it. It the, wasn't. The 1969 grand final. So he's a specialist of sitting in that corner. And Helen Pitt says that this is not art. This is art. This, this is, is culture. culture. This We're, is history. Thank you, Ricky This Stewart. is humanity. Speaking of culture, there was another game. But before we get to that, Chris, do you have any Arara Valley access to crime? Look, 
I really want to apologize because I thought if I could get out of the act segment this week because it'll just make me cranky and I've been having such a good time, Dennis. Oh, no. I've got a lot, so I'll try and be quick. First of all, I want to uh, send a shout-out to friend of the show, Andrew Webster. Webby! Yes, because he said certain commentators, i.e. Peter Fitzsimons, and I, and I actually owe Peter Fitzsimons an apology. He doesn't, shop eater. He just doesn't write about stadiums and concussion. He also writes about Greg Norman, and I happen to agree with him. But, you know, he goes the concussion card again because of what happened to Isaiah Yo in the first tackle out at Origin yep. 1. And he basically says it proves the game's corrupt. They should all um, be taken out and shot and they'll be you know, crippled by insurance claims for the rest of their lives. And Webby said they made a mistake and then offered the very, very high level of concern shown by the Sydney Roosters to said Sam Walker and Luke Geary. Mm. And the game is doing better. And can they just stop conflating what looked like a pretty innocent mistake into the end of rugby league. It is annoying. And it was, it's as annoying as the guy sitting behind me at origin one last Wednesday night. I was out there with PJ Isaacson, uh, known to be the son of Don Lane, one of the card carrying rabbits. Yes. Fans, so very much something that Redfern, Pat, not would Don be. McLean, but Don uh, Lane, Don Lane yeah. and, and PJ also a huge South fan. And you know, that spectator that knows a little bit about rugby league oh, no. and feels that they've got the right to share that knowledge with you throughout the game. Yeah. So that guy was sitting behind us. It was mansplaining. Oh, to, to the general crowd. Yeah. Like you just go. And for, for the women listening, that means mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> you wanted to turn around and go, you wouldn't be an assistant coach by any chance, would you? No, I didn't think you were. And the usual stuff, he was cursing a lot. Obviously, we were going to intervene, but he was obviously, you know. Oh, he was cursing. Uh, all the time. And mm. there, were, there were young kiddies. You know, oh no, sitting next to me, wanting to get security because they were sitting next to me. But they had to deal with the cursing, and you know, and another pop was there, and it was all a bad scene. And eventually, he was sort of told, "You've got to, got to get off the f word, mate. You don't need that to emphasise your point." But here's my axe to grind. He saw Isaiah Yo stumble after that first tackle, right? I didn't see it. PJ didn't see it, and he worked out that no one else in the immediate environs had seen it. 25 minutes. Yo, what's he still doing out there? Oh, he's gone. What are they doing? Jiminy Crickets, people. Go and enjoy the footballs. Yell out some smart remarks, but just put a can on it, all right? Did You're he not have a, a headscarf? He did, actually. Large chap, was he? Big boy. <laughs> Eating a lot of lamb chops? That's the one. Yeah. I, wonder, I thought it might be. Yeah. And, my, <laughs> and my final axe to grind is, and this is a plea. So for- many axes today. <laughs> As we go into Origin 2, I need press releases from Brad Fittler and from Josh Adokar. And it's not about whether Josh is playing in the team or not. Is it Freddie, F-R-E-D-D-Y? Or I-E. Or I-E. And how many X's? In Fox. Oh, they are my Arara axes to grind. Valley axes to grind. And they're very valid Valley axes to grind. I just, I've got to point out with the... I was at a game... I was doing some halftime entertainment and my child was there. He was eight years old. He's being babysat by a girl who I used to babysit and her mother used to babysit me. So Fran babysat me. She That's, had a daughter. That sounds like a Scandinavian movie I she saw She had a once. daughter and I babysat the daughter. The daughter babysat my son. Now, the daughter happened to be dating one Michael Horse Wayman. Wow. And so, Talk about building statues. <laughs> exactly. And that's a, ma- that's a magnificent bronze in Maria. So my son's there in the family friend zone with Ellie and with Michael Wayman's sister. And there's these four youths who were swearing at the reserve grade going F and C's and dropping. There was Carmichael Hunt. There must have been 16 Carmichael Hunts playing. And Michael Luck was out there as well. And Michael's sister has turned to them. Not Michael Luck. Michael Wayman's sister has turned to them going, boys, this is the family area. There's a kid here. Can you pull a language in? They've then given expletive-laden rants at her. And they're a little bit shocked. And she's like, guys, you can't do this. So they had another go. Up comes Michael Wayman, who had one of his many ankle injuries. He's in a suit and walks up. And they're like, oh, horse, the, the, the youths. Horse, horse. Horse comes over. Sister gives him a look. So horse walks up and goes, hey, sis, what's doing? And gives her a big slap. Just slaps her across the face quite hard, as you could only do as a sibling. At which point she turns to look for the youths. They've gone. So that's what you needed. You just needed Michael Wayman to do it. And look, people argue they pay their money, but it really, in a moment of seriousness, that really, really is why 
people prefer to watch it on television when you've got to deal with your, your mate with the lamb chop. Idiots. By the way, you say Michael Wayman, it just takes me because of the physical resemblance to the last West <laughs> Tigers player sent off 20 years ago was Corey Pearson. That was the last one sent off. The last one sent off for West Tigers. It has been 20 years. Clean skins. Yeah, Hopper has uh, got his marching <laughs> orders prior to that and maybe one other. But uh, uh, Corey, Corey Pearson, uh, who was identified, I think, as... Uh, by one of the Fox commentators as Sir Lunch-a-Lot. And <laughs> I, I can vouch for that. Well, look, we're running out of time. We're mm-hmm. getting in, and there's so much still to get through, but we can't let it go without talking about the culture that is the Parramatta Eels. Oh, wow. Oh, Now, we've, we've called them before, and I've been guilty of this, and I, I think I need to apologise to the Eels. I've called them flat-track bullies. Now, it was a flat track the other night. It was a very flat track. And the Bulldogs, you know what they did? They bullied the bullies. They didn't bully. There was a secret. Now, they've sacked their coach, T-Baz. Well, yep, he fell on his sword. And Mick Potsy Potter has come in. Mick Potter, who is a bulldog, who played for the Bulldogs. And he's come in and he's given them, like, Ricky's got culture. Kevy's got culture. He's given them culture. And as far as strategy goes, Michael Carianis asked three separate bulldog players what the strategy of Mick Potter was and listened to what they said. What's different about the performance tonight? What, what can you pinpoint that probably hasn't been there for a, a little bit of time? Oh, we're just playing footy and just backing ourselves, and that's um, all players across the board. And um, as you've seen tonight, um, the boys done that, and um, we definitely had fun tonight. And where does the freedom come from tonight? Where was the freedom that you guys played with that probably hasn't been there in the past? I suppose just backing ourselves and playing a bit of footy, you know. <laughs> what about that performance, mate? Like. Well, I guess the, the excitement, the enjoyment, but is there a sense of relief as well that you guys put in a game like that? Um, you know, I'm super proud of the boys' efforts. We wanted to play footy. That's it. This is the secret. If you have players, let them play. And what do they play? They play footy. Mick Potter's a genius. That's strategy. Strategy that culture is above, but nonetheless, it's strategy. If you read Paul Crawley in the Daily Astonisher today, he says, stop the fight. Mick Potter should be the next coach of the Canterbury-Banks-Down And Bulldogs. the Blues. He's and got, the kangaroos. He's, he's got Bulldogs DNA. He's won premierships. He's got them humming. Play footy. Yeah, and uh, Gus says he hasn't had any applications, so I think it's done. By the way, Gus, they had footage of him in the rooms mm. uh, with all the boys, a lot of the Canterbury boys with the shirts off, you know, um, sort of a weird inverse homage to Teddy Tedesco. And <laughs> obviously we haven't got the audio, but Gus says something, and then all of a sudden all the boys are up on their toes, raucously laughing and doing that motion where you sort of flick money out of your oh, hands. slapping the dollar bills out of your hands. And Gus explained it last night. Apparently he has this uh, arrangement has had for some time. If a player plays the ball and then goes on to score the try in the same tackle, uh-huh. they get 100 bucks from Gus. And so Gus has gone in and sort of mumbled. He goes, because a reserve grader who also thumped Parramatta had done exactly that. He goes... Does it apply to reserve grade as well? And the boys are up oh, and just flicking the dollars. It's a great moment. And i got to say, no matter what you think about the Bulldogs, because I know a lot of people don't like the Bulldogs. Uh, and, you know, a friend of the show, Terry Bull, he's someone who likes the Bulldogs, funnily enough. You had to be happy for them. And they were great scenes in the rooms yesterday. I don't think anyone begrudged the Bulldogs that win. Every, the, the whole of rugby league is happy. Even the Parramatta fans, I think, are probably happy with that win. At 28 nil, as darkness had well and truly descended. All, <laughs> all over the eels. Yeah, that's right. Over a, a, a hooded uh, uh, Brad Arthur, who was described uh, by Adrian. Uh, let me see. I wrote this down by Adam Pengilly. He said, uh, brother. Uh, he said about uh, Brad, he looked like he'd been dealt a two, two, a two and a seven at a World <laughs> Series poker hand in the coaching box or that he'd just left Antarctica because he was in the hood. Not so much. All these bottles of water had frozen. It was such a, such a gloomy occasion. But the Doggies fans busted out their phones with the torches and yeah. it lit up. And it was obviously a thinly disguised promotion for the upcoming Ed Sheeran concert. Who's playing at the same ground, is Absolutely. he? Absolutely. Yeah, I did see that and wonder exactly what it was. Because, of course, Chris, I was there. Yeah, I wasn't. And another thing, where we are, there's this thing called Catapult, which is, I've mentioned it before, it's, it's how they track the players on the field. So they set up this network of little transponders around the field, and that's how they get the, um, the stats on the people moving. And... They've also got, you know, the Storm have had this for years. They've had the chip in the back of the neck. They have the intentionometer, which the referees want to get hold of. This is state-of-the-art science. This is high technology. The intentionometer, which shows if they had the intentionometer access, 
they would know whether Felice Fusi right. intended to keep his elbow on there or whether it was an accident. Yep. Whether it was his go or not his go. The intentionometer reveals whether it's his go is or it, not. Is it binary? Go, not go. Oh, no. It, it actually transcribes their thoughts. Oh, so it's analogue. It writes down their thoughts. Now, I saw a little extract from it and I wasn't allowed to take a photo. I had to remember it. So I'll see if I can remember to recite it. This was actually what was going through Mitchell Moses's head <laughs> as he crossed the line through the catapult intentionometer. And it went something like this. <clears throat> uh, see, this is the eels. This is the true eels. These dogs may have their day, but I, I, I am Mitchell Moses. I am the most Mitchell Moses. I am the Mitchell Moses. So I'll put this ball down prettily, magnificently, and gloriously, and elegantly, and with great dignity over the line with one hand. So, oh! And that was him getting smashed because instead of making his grandiose speech and florid most could have just put the ball down, Mitchell. And he, <laughs> he's no flat track bully. He's a showboat. He's a show pony, and he can't win the big games. My friend David Garnsey would just agree with you wholeheartedly. And, of course, his uh, co-thespian in that little performance was, of course, Matt Burton, <laughs> who turned around, having knocked the ball out, turned around and gave Mitch a golf ball. And you know what he said? <laughs> That's how you play footy. Oh! Finally, Dennis, uh, we've been talking about do they need to bring the hate back in origin? We certainly would agree with that. And Definitely. there's a lot of familiarity amongst the modern rugby league players. People are very concerned about how convivial they are at the end of the game and so forth. So we do need a new generation of grub. And I think apart from all the excitement out there at Accor Stadium last evening was the cementing of the emergence of a new generation of grub. Oh, we need a grub. And I refer, of course, to Aaron Shop. Shoppy. He's always got a little bit of extra in the tackle. Some of his work last night, there was a malay, there was a bit of alleged nut work. I think it might have been Ernest. <laughs> went, whoa! Like that. Didn't translate to anything. But there is a moment where, of course, a frustrated Burton, probably before he knocked the ball out of Mitch's hands, hurls the ball at Mitchell Moses' head. And for some reason, Shop comes in from out of screen and shoves Mitchell Moses to the ground. So... So this that is, was shop. So hang, was it was it Madison and shop, and the nut was shop. Oh, it was shop was in the nut work. I'm not sure who the. I was just focusing on shop. I had no idea who the eel was because who was watching the eels? But this is what we need in the game. We need some more hate. Apparently, according to Terry Bull, Parramatta and Canterbury had a rivalry in the '80s. I'm not aware of it, but apparently, if we can bring back the hate through a new generation of grub like Aaron, I'm saying Aaron Shop, get around him. She said, son, you're growing up now. Pretty soon you'll take a bride. And then she said, just because you become a young man now, there's still some things that you don't understand now. Before you ask some girl for a hand now, keep your freedom for as long as you can now. My mama told me, you better shop around. Everybody firing up it's one to the ground. Going at it, it looked like Shop just went in with the forehead. He sails close to the wind with his discipline, Aaron Shop. Oh, hey, 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 The Bulldogs look at Shop here, grinning. He wants a bit more of the action. Here we go. The vast majority of it, 99% of it, the, the innovation in the game and broadcasting has been brought on by Channel 9. Uh, I'm not going to answer any questions, but I've done my job. Thanks. Fisher Harris giving away the family there for the late shit. I've been covering football for four decades, and I did not understand it. 
So now it's been done to death, but... It is the most watched event, without a doubt. Not, not, not sporting event, it's the most watched event, one, two and three in this, in this nation, if not around the world. And... <laughs> right, so we'll just do a, just do a quick, uh, quick around the ground of some of the lighter moments. Uh, Helen Pitt might want to skip forward this one. So, yeah, I was sort of trying to cover him behind, and I think I left that hole, so... Good work, mate! Oh. <laughs> Jesus. And now if I time that right, we should get Helen Pitt back now. <laughs> and I think, she'll prefer the, I think she'll prefer this one. Fame the big long cutout pass, and dances with the Blues, and Munster's cut them up the middle! How's that one? Dancing with the Blues? Dances with the Blues. I like yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now we've got to go into the, into the wash-up. And it was pretty serious stuff, the New South Wales loss. This is Paul Gallen in the sheds. Well, mate, you're still alive, so uh, good luck. Uh, all the best. <laughs> well, lucky, mate, you're still alive. Uh, all the best. You're still alive, so all the best. Appreciate it, mate. Um, well, he's obviously read the Gus Gould Doctrine. Well, did well, you die? Well, now we go, get on to Gus. Okay, oh. so we know Gus's big thing is if you win Origin 1, yes. you win Origin 3. and then Correct. If you lose Origin 1, then you're going to win Game 2 to get into Game 3. And Correct. if you win that, so we're all aware of that. We don't need to go over that again. Mm-hmm. So he tried to do that to Munster after the game. In terms of the series, that's a massive victory to win here in Sydney in Game 1. You're now in Game 3 regardless of the Game 2 result, and you've got that in Queensland. But what on, I'm, what, I'm, I'm just being serious. It's a massive win. So, all right, I'll say it a different way. How good is it to win Game 1? <laughs> yeah, it's outstanding. We needed to do it. Thank you. Mate, angry... So that would mean that either Munster is not a fan of that kind of stuff, in which case he's probably not a fan of the show, or he's a big fan of the show and he hears it every other week. <laughs> it's one of the two. And then, right, so we get into Gus's breakdown, and so we've been we've been over this, you know, that same old joke of you got origin plays and origin moments or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. But did you know you got non-origin plays? A non-origin moment. And I know in, what that in is. In origin, yeah. So Gus predicted that it was a two tries all game. And of course, it was three tries to two to Queensland, right? Yeah. And he regarded that the Daily Cherry Evans try was not a typical origin try. And therefore... It shouldn't count. Not No, no. He, he agrees that it counts. But he goes, I predicted it would be a two tries all game. And I was correct because the other try by Daily Cherry Evans was a non-origin try. So therefore, my origin prediction was correct even if the game played out differently. Could this possibly be a scientist skewing the data this... <laughs> to get the outcome Yeah, what does that pay? Is that how they pay out at Sportsbet? <laughs> um, so this is a big Channel 9 day for a lot of people. It's the only time they watch Channel 9. Obviously, the biggest Channel 9 issue is why Matt Thompson comes in for James Bracey, right? I would have thought it was ads based on what was going on on Twitter. People so... who are not used to ads were just beside themselves and are going it is commercial and i had a friend who was who rode the um the the bike across the stadium to deliver the match ball (laughs) and one of them was a robbie farrow right no it wasn't robbie farrow um uh, there was a bait and switch that's why we've not stopped doing the bait and switch on this show because they did the bait and switch at the stadium but it was only at the stadium they didn't show it it was devastating aiden is it is it like he's a fantastic race bike driver and there he was in this stupid scooter and they wouldn't even give him the credit yeah, they didn't even put it, him on tv it wasn't the commodore the indigenous team. all the indigenous opening part that was ads oh. that was why channel nine didn't like that so this is a relationship that uh gus and bracy have at the moment cam smith has joined fat gus and i at the desk fat gus <laughs> wow i didn't break up that he seems like he's pretty much been the same weight for a while since he stopped playing and then you go to uh, Matt Thompson and Gus. This is the kind of banter they're having. I love it when you talk like that. Oh, yeah. It's like you're talking dirty is, to is me. Is it complicated? No, I love it. I'd ring a double Sounds a double five number and, and get you to talk down the phone to me like that. Some, some, Pay you $15 a minute or whatever they charge. <laughs> Matt, God love him. And I, you Do know, they still exist? I, I can't talk about what job he did because I didn't listen to the game because I was out there. But uh, he... He was fine. He was, he was fine. Yeah. But he struck on that joke. In that podcast, yep. couldn't let it go. Couldn't let it go. Oh, well, no. actually, imagine um, going over the same joke again and again on a podcast. <laughs> Who would ever do that? Yeah. Well, I actually, you know, I, you know, any cl- any expense for the show is fine. I actually, rang up the number. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're all fired up. Let's go. What's under the shirt that counts? Double A, double five, six tackles. He might be trying to 
try to not use it. Hello, Helen Pitt. <laughs> You've outdone yourself, Pat. That's magnificent. Uh, just to finish up, we got we got a quick maths one, and I've, I've actually made a stinger for for this. <laughs> Are we still on Origin? Well, so I just how about I do this, and then we'll get to. Great. So this is our new mathematics. But thing. it's mathematics. That's just mathematical. That's just well, permutation. That's just, just mathematics. Probability. That's just how it is. <laughs> That's just mathematical. That'll be good for future wow. media liar stuff. Just on origin in the press. Well, do, do you want to hear the? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got it. Oh, that's just the opener. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Wales ended up with fifty-one percent of the ball. Queensland forty-nine. That's nothing. That's fifty-fifty. <laughs> um, and you clip. Thank you. 49, 51, that's 0, 50 50. 50, 50. <laughs> that's 50 50. Wow. One thing, and I apologize for not having sourced it, uh, I asking Pat to source it, uh, was Billy in his post game uh, presser. I don't know if you caught, he said that our game didn't win the game out there. <clears throat> it was the 40, dec- 40 years of football played by Queensland are over all those decades. He's absolutely channeling something there. I have not run the, run the Queenslanderometer over it, but. I'm pretty sure he said Queenslander at least four times a minute. He said yeah. Queensland or Queenslander. Yeah. He said those words at least four times a minute. Is he Billy Moore at a function? Well, I don't know because Palaszczuk, she only runs at three, two to three. Her tourism minister runs at three to four. He right. was over four. He, so, he is the most Queenslander Queensland at the moment. I'm just saying he's with the Whisperer. He's just doing it more adeptly oh, than uh, Kevy did. Is he but with the Whisperer? I actually would argue that your game did win the game. Is he with the Whisperer? Is he with the Whisperer? I walk into the change rooms there, I've got 47 texts. I never turn my phone on after the game, but I thought, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 texts. Every one of those texts agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. I got reviews. You got reviews? I got reviews. Oh, let's have them. So we got, we're at 4.9. 4.9? Six tackles is only at 4.83. Okay, so we want to get to 4.7 so we can say we're 47. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as long, I think as long as we're on top of six tackles, yeah. and I would dare say six tackles is, is nose diving this year. So, someone gave us a one star review. Yeah, they didn't leave a text though, did they? No, it was, was my, no texts. It was my mum. Oh, because I was trying to find. There's a couple of bad ones. I was trying to find those. Um, I can find it. We are the basket cases. We are a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> so the most recent one is from Hatter Mike. Mm-hmm. Helen Peter like that. Hatter, that's a usually held. You know. Pretty high culture, I guess. Said that, don't let the intro put you off. I, I don't know if she's talking about my intro or your intro, Dennis. Don't know. Probably mine. My last one last week was a bit scratchy. The trying to edit out the word of... <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a lot better <laughs> when you're not... It sounded like a better idea when you're not doing it. Uh, except for easy listening. Easy listening. Yeah. Yeah, and like, not contemporary, like the James Last Orchestra. I'm happy we with are that. the James Last Orchestra <laughs> of podcasts. I'm going with that. Sherilyn Ford, Thinking Persons Football Show. Ooh, Helen, <laughs> Helen, Helen hey. Pitt. Uh, if your cup of tea is listening to a Raiders fan and a Tigers fan complain about Queensland and the Roosters, then this is a podcast <laughs> for you. That's Just, our show. She's burnt you, Pat. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, a must listen for the quiet Australians. Oh, who yes. were they dealt? Were they dealt a bit of a loss at the election? <laughs> that, that one's about four years old. That review. <laughs> no, that one's that one's recent. Uh, and then biggest tea left one. That was pretty nice. Man. We saw biggest nice. tea out at Redfern Oval a couple of weeks ago. And oh, how was should, he? Should have a He had his young son with him. Yeah, so he was preoccupied. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't thirty cans in like he wasn't like Hart that night when he was your guest. <laughs> that was the best day of his life. <laughs> I pity his son because because poor old Biggest T meeting Ciro meeting Blocker that's his son is never going to live up he, to he, the glory of he, moments he, like that he was gone meeting you Dennis it just, <laughs> it just went up from there and that's that's the 47 texters well I don't know if it's a bit passe but Chris do you have any as a final word any new reasons or are you just so happy? Are you too happy to find another reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels? You've anticipated correctly, Dennis. <laughs> they gave so much pleasure to so many members of the rugby league and, dare I say, arts community in the way that they were steamrolled by <laughs> the Bulldogs! previously cellar dwellers, the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. It would just be inopportune and inappropriate and, well, kind of 
not even inevitable that I don't have a reason. Because there's nothing to dislike, to dislike about that. that. Getting beaten, getting the Bulldogs off the bottom of the ladder, getting Mick Potter a win, getting that. There was so much joy. I have friends from my days as being the actual Bulldog. I have friends still in the Chalitas. They were so happy because they normally have to turn up and do their dance in the cold, in skimpy outfits, hating it, losing. They were so happy. Well, do you remember what happened when Parramatta played? Do you know who's last now? Yes, the Titans. The Titans. Do you remember what happened when Parramatta played the Titans? Did the Titans win? Philip Sammy did the Gutherina oh, on Gutho. yeah, but they and lost. And Gutho's played the long game. Yeah. Oh. And got him back some uh, 14 weeks later. It, it was so good at 4-0 when the game was still in the balance. And Campbell Gillard steams down the middle and he's looking to throw the inside ball to Juna Barlow. And... Jake Averillo intercepts it and scores down the other end. Wasn't that beautiful? Which has given me a reason to say that Jake's sister is a trainee at Pro Wrestling Australia. How about oh, that? There it is. So Averillo's taking over this town. All the threads coming together. And with that, we're going to finish this episode of Fire Up. So please... Give us a review on whatever podcast software you're listening to. Join Find Fire Up Rugby League. And hang on, Ricky. Hang on, Ricky. Find <laughs> Fire Up Rugby League on Facebook and Insta. Join Fire Up NRL on Twitter. And join the Blowing Up Deluxe Facebook group. And with that, we'll be back next week. Even more Fire Up!